You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, the Messiah is here. That was the preaching of John. And that was a different kind of preaching that the people had heard. And so they have to send out a they have to send out a team to investigate this guy, John, and, and he has to be interviewed by the Pharisees and the group that, that comes from him. And that's really what our gospel text is like. But I'd, I'd like if you would indulge me for just a minute to swerve off into the epistle text first and, in fact, say a minute or two. This, this text from Philippians chapter four, which is a wonderfully familiar text. In fact, the first verse of the text, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, was the beginning of the introit for last week. And the last verse in the text, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ our Lord, is the end of every sermon. But I'm especially interested in the words that come right in the middle of the, of the text, where, where, where Paul says, the Lord is at hand, be anxious for nothing, do not be anxious about anything, excuse me. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Uh, if you would indulge me for a personal reflection, since uh, Dr. Kleinig has been uh, his visit this, this fall, I've been thinking a lot more and, and about praying, and in fact praying a lot more, and, and personally I've divided up my prayers into daily prayers, the things that I want to pray for each day, and then a, a rotating list of, of things to pray for once a week. And when it comes to these daily prayers, we have this question, what should we pray for? And, and I'm trying to take Luther's advice here and say, well, what are your vocations? What are your stations in life? And how do you intersect with the three estates in the world? So I'm a part of a family. I'm a husband and a father, so I pray every day for Carrie and for the children. I'm a pastor in the church, so I pray every day uh, for you and especially for the vicar. <laughs> uh, I'm a citizen. And so I pray, especially if there's disasters in the world uh, and, and for this sort of thing. And those are our daily prayers. And then I've been trying to do this every day. I've been asking myself this question. What am I worried about? And the answer to that becomes the content then for my prayers. And, and because of this, there's always plenty to pray about, right? And when the prayers are done, there's very little to worry about. And this is what Paul's getting at. He says, he says it like this. Be anxious, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Our, our worries, says St. Paul, are reminders to pray. Peter says it like this. And this is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Casting. I mean, the, the image is, I mean, think of someone that's bailing water out of a boat. <laughs> or someone who's throwing a football halfway down the field. This is a casting. And this is what we do with our troubles, our anxieties. We, we, we throw them out to Jesus because He cares for us. Now, it, this is how I'm doing it, it. And I suspect that it looks different for each one of you. But this joy that Paul talks about at the beginning of the text... And the peace that he talks about at the end of the text is all revolving around this, our unloading our worries and our anxieties on Jesus in our prayers. 
And so I commend this text to you. That every time we would worry, we would consider it the Holy Spirit reminding us to pray. (laughs) Jesus standing there saying, here, I'll take that worry. I'll take that concern. I'll take that fear. I've got it covered. Because he cares for you. And if we want to, I mean, maybe even if, if you'll let me to do an aside on what's already an aside, <laughs> I think the same thing is true also for our anger. What am I angry about? Who am I angry with? Or who's angry with me? And I pray about that. What am I sad about? What am I afraid of? These are all the things that we carry before the face of Jesus in our prayers. But to the text. This first chapter of St. John, his gospel, is echoing with the voice of another John, and that is John the Baptist, who came preaching repentance and baptizing for the forgiveness of sins. Now, uh, John is there in the wilderness of Judea, and that's significant. And he's out there, the text says, building a highway for the Messiah, making his way straight. And he was causing quite a stir, this John the Baptist. I, I don't think we can... Uh, underemphasize the impact that John the Baptist had. In fact, Matthew tells us that all Judea was going down to the Jordan River to listen to the preaching of John. And we even know that, what, 20, 22 years later, when St. Paul is in Ephesus, there's a group of men there who claim to be the disciples of John, all the way over in on the other side of Asia Minor. In fact, presumably, when John, the one who is writing the Gospel of John, is writing this Gospel in the year 90, there's still confusion about who John the Baptist was, even on the edge of the Mediterranean, far, far away from there. So that John, John's preaching in the wilderness was not an isolated event. It was, in fact, impacting the entire world. And it had to be dealt with. And this is the setup. The Pharisees are sitting there in Jerusalem saying, what is this troublemaker John doing? What's all this trouble he's causing? Why are people not coming to our church anymore and they're going out to the church on the edge of the Jordan River? So they sent a delegation there to to investigate John and his unauthorized preaching. And especially they're interested in his unauthorized baptisms. So this delegation gets to John and they start to interview him. Are you the Christ? No. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? No. Now, we have a little bit of work to do because we even heard it last week in the Gospel text that Jesus said of John, if you can accept it, he is Elijah to come. And there's been no greater prophet risen in all of the world. No one greater than John. I mean, he he is the Elijah who is to come and he is the prophet, but he is not the Elijah that they were expecting. And he is not the prophet in the same way that they were uh, expecting the prophet to come. In the same way that Jesus is not the Messiah, the same kind of Messiah that they were expecting. You see, the people, especially the Pharisees, but all the people were expecting a kind of a, a political ruler, a king. One who would come and throw off the Roman rule. Restore Israel to its former glory under King David and under King Solomon. And... And John is not this kind of prophet. Neither is Jesus this kind of Messiah. But second, and this is maybe the most important point, 
John is a prophet in an entirely different way than the other prophets. All the other prophets were leaders of the people. In other words, they would gather the people around themselves and they would say, follow me. Not John the Baptist. He was not in the business of gathering people for himself, but rather sending people to Jesus. And all the other prophets would preach, the Messiah will come, but not Jesus. But not John, excuse me. He preached of Jesus, the Messiah has come. He is here. He is standing in your midst. All of the other prophets would point, would point forward in time. John would simply point through the crowd and say, there he is. Take a look. That man standing there right in the midst of you, that one is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold him. Look at him. John is the voice crying in the wilderness and he's crying that the long-expected one the one that the people have been praying for and waiting for and looking for, that the Messiah has come and that He is here. And this changes everything. I mean, remember that Jerusalem was supposed to be the place of repentance. There was a location for the forgiveness of sins and it was the temple on Mount Zion where the sacrifices were, were killed, where the blood was poured out, where the where the, where the lambs were burned on the altar every morning and evening and on all the feast days. But John is not in Jerusalem. He's down by the Jordan River, baptizing and preaching and forgiving. And in this, he announces the time of the New Testament. This most important thing, that God's mercy is relocating. It was, if you were an Old Testament Jew... If you wanted to find God merciful, you would go to the temple. But now, we find the mercy of God where Jesus is. The temple, which is the biggest of big deals in the Old Testament, is not that big of a deal anymore. In fact, the manger where the cows are eating is the big deal. Mount Zion, the most important of important places, the holiest of holies, which was a big deal in the Old Testament, is not a big deal now. Now we have the muddy Jordan River and the upper room and the wilderness and the hill stained with the blood of a hundred executions. It is wherever Jesus is. That is where God's mercy is. That is where His kindness is. God is in Christ smiling and taking away sins. So we hear the Advent preaching of John the Baptist. Jesus is here. And this is good news. It might at first, or maybe the more we think about it, not seem like such good news. With our consciences loaded down with care and dripping with sin and stuffed with guilt. I mean, we know when we consider our own sin that the holiness of God is not necessarily safe for us. But look, Jesus comes not to condemn the world, but to rescue it. Jesus comes not to punish your sin, but to take it away. That's what he has in mind when he's dying for them. 
And it's what Jesus has in mind when he was absolving them just a few minutes ago. And, and it's what Jesus is thinking about when he puts his body and his blood on the table. That he will be the one to take away sins. That he is the one who forgives you. That he is the one that has for you righteousness. And so we hear in this great crescendo the preaching the Advent preaching of John. Jesus is here, and we rejoice. We rejoice that God has put Himself even in a manger for us. Jesus is here, and we rejoice because He's on the cross bearing your sin and suffering in your place. And Jesus is here, even here today, in His Word and His sacrament, To do what he always does. To love you. And to forgive you your sins. Jesus is here. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.